Hey guys, what up? It me, and I'm back with a new episode of My Best Vintage Life. Just going to do my little intro snippets here because I have a very exciting episode this week, and I can't wait to share it with you. As always, if you'd like to reach out via email, it's admin, A-D-M-I-N, at mybestvintagelifepodcast.com. That's admin at mybestvintagelifepodcast.com. You can find me on social media via Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram been having a lot of fun on Instagram with my stories so if you have access to Instagram check that out um, you can just find me at my best vintage life podcast check out the website you can sign up for um, our newsletter read our blog posts do some shopping I actually just did a really cool blog on a vintage denim score that art did um, in southern california he found eleven thousand pairs of vintage levi's it's a very short and sweet blog post but i think you'll find it interesting so if you go to my best vintage life podcast.com and click blog you'll find that and if you want to sign up for the newsletter you go to the home page scroll down to the bottom right and there's a newsletter sign up um, form there if uh, phone calls are more your thing and you'd like to reach out through a phone call you can do so via Google Voice. It's 559-365-6743. That's 559-365-6743. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast. You can do so if you're using an iPhone or iTunes um, through either iTunes itself or the Apple Podcast app. And if you are not on an Apple product, you can use Podchaser, which is available to everyone no matter what the platform. So... Those are two options if you'd like to rate or review the podcast. I did get um, some new reviews this week. Thank you so much to those that went ahead and wrote them. I know it takes a few minutes, but really it makes a huge difference in the visibility of my podcast and the ability for more people to find and enjoy it. So thank you for for that effort. Um, and you know my obsession at the moment, honestly, I'm thinking about Halloween. I know Halloween's going to look a little bit different this year, but Halloween always means a few things to me at least. Um, cooler weather, not much cooler here in California, but a little bit cooler. Candy. Um, I don't know, just it, there's something about the fall that I love, especially, you know, growing up back east, we had like a true fall where it got cold and crisp, and I do miss that, but I love Halloween in general. Um, oh, also, I'm a huge ice hockey fan, and I don't know what's going to happen with hockey. We're still in Stanley Cup playoffs, which have been delayed from the spring, but usually in October, hockey starts, so that's always kind of like a nice thing too, but we'll see what happens this year. Regardless, I have been thinking about Halloween, and I wanted to mention last year I did three really great Halloween episodes Um and those you can access through whatever um, app or method you're listening to. If you scroll back to October of 2019, I did a lesser known horror babes from film in terms of like their vintage style. I did a vintage um, movies with a vintage vibe. And then I can't remember the last one I did. I did three episodes total. Um, but they're all worth checking out and a lot of fun and they weren't really time specific so it's not going to be weird if you listen to them now. Uh, it's more talking about old stuff anyway so it doesn't really matter so I highly suggest checking out those those Halloween episodes. So now to the good stuff. Today's episode is an interview 
Um, I was super excited to feature author and journalist Zoe Goto. Uh, She's based in the United Kingdom in London, and we got to talk about both herself and her new book, Vintage Style. I'm just going to read right from her website because I think this is a perfect explanation of her. Um, But she is a journalist who covers travel, fashion, lifestyle, and mid-century pop culture. Her writing has appeared in GQ, GQ Style, Esquire, The Times, NME, which is a British um, music website, Numero, L, MSN, Escapism, Lonely Planet, and the New Zealand Herald, Newspaper, and Living, etc. So Zoe is amazing. She's super fun to interview and talk to. Um, She's written multiple books at this point in time and has a new book coming out. So those are all things that we're going to cover during the interview. And um, if you have any questions for Zoe or want to reach out to her, I'm going to put all of her contact info in the show notes, and she'll mention that during the interview as well. So I hope you enjoy. Stay safe, guys. Zoe, how are you today? I'm very good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk about both you and your your book this morning and this evening for you. So thank you for taking the time to do so. Oh, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure. So um, first off, I guess I want to fill my listeners in just about you yourself. So if there's anything that you'd like to tell them maybe about your career, um, projects you've worked on in the past, um, maybe not your books, because I'm going to touch about touch um, about them a little bit later. But I know you've done some journalism work for various publications. So could you tell me a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So as a little background, um, I spent almost a decade working in fashion, Um, I was working in fashion PR um, for all sorts of clients. I did a lot um, with designers during London Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also some kind of big names. I worked with um, Prada and all sorts of different fashion designers. Um, And then uh, about eight years ago, I decided to kind of jump over the fence and I went from PR to journalism. Um, I've been a freelance journalist ever since. And in the early days, um, I was doing a lot of fashion writing. So I'd spend a lot of time um, doing reports. I'd be at London Fashion Week doing reports on that or writing kind of style guides for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but in more recent years, that's kind of shifted. And I write a lot more about sustainability, um, about travel, about music, about vintage um, yeah, so that's kind of a bit of background about how my career has kind of shifted in recent years. So you've kind of just expanded your topics basically into different areas, which I think are all complementary to each other in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. And I think the move away from writing about kind of traditional fashion um, started, I actually stopped four years ago, I stopped buying any new clothes. Good for you. Um 
Yeah, and I think, and that includes not only me, but I've got two kids as well. Um, They are entirely in second-hand clothes as well, so the whole family is on a second-hand tip. Um, And that that came about because I kind of became quite disillusioned with the fashion industry after working in it for so many years. And I had concerns about the environmental impact, Mm -hmm. um, the human impact of sweatshops, Right. Um, so I decided I kind of I wanted out of it basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a big shift in my thinking about four years ago, and that's also when I kind of started thinking about putting together my book, my new book that's just come out, Vintage Style, because um, I've always had an interest in vintage, but I'm more the kind of person who would kind of dip my toe in the vintage pool rather than like fully jumping in it. And I could see all these people around me who were like really, really embracing um, the vintage life. And I found that really inspiring. So I started going to vintage fairs in London um, and around England and just seeing all these really kind of fabulous vintage enthusiasts. And I thought, wow, there's something here. I'm finding this really inspiring. This is really quirky. Perhaps I could kind of put this together in a book other people would find it interesting as well. And that's how the book kind of came about. Okay. Well, you just answered my next two questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, the, the the full title of the book is, it's Vintage Style, and then I believe there's, it has a full title, correct? It's not just Vintage Style? It's um, Inside the Dapper World of Retro Enthusiasts. Aha, uh-huh. so I really like that part. So I wanted to make sure we included it. So I love I love that. I think it's an amazing title. And um, obviously you just told me, you know, what, what inspired you to write it. And I think that that's really cool um, that, you know, you wanted to look into these people's world. As you said, you were just kind of dipping your toe in, but you saw people around you that were kind of like, they were they jumped into the water like full force. So you wanted to see what you know what their lives were all about and what um, what vintage meant to them. So I guess my my next question is is how did you find the the enthusiasts featured within the book? Ah, that was um, it was kind of a combination. It was many many hours spent scrolling through Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instagram is an amazing of course. Source of, um, yeah, just being able to find really, really interesting people um, and then reaching out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, also going to these vintage fairs and I'd kind of skulk in the corner and just sit there and observe everyone. And if I saw someone who looked really interesting, um, I'm fairly shameless in, I think it's the journalism background, in being able to just kind of run up to people and say, hi, you're really interesting. Do you mind if I take your picture? And um, <laughs> on the whole, people were quite up for being... Um, oh, good. Included in the book and being written about and being photographed. I think pretty much everyone that I like, approached in the street, pretty much, um, was up for being included. Um, and then also just kind of word of mouth. I would ask people, I do a lot of travel journalism. So, mm-hmm. um, for example, one of the first people that I went and photographed were a couple in the book. They're called Rachel and Nate, and they live in. Um, LA mm-hmm. and I was going over to LA to do some travel articles anyway so I thought who's interested in LA and I found this couple on Instagram reached out to them and said can I come around and photograph you um, so yeah just kind of turned up in a cab um, with my camera and it was amazing it was like 
striking gold walking into their house. I thought, nice. wow. No, I, I love um, their place. I love it. It's fab, so isn't good. it? It's like a museum. It's such a, you know, a kind of homage to Golden Era and mm-hmm. Hollywood. But I kind of, I've only had a look on Instagram that they've mostly been posting pictures of um, their outfits. So I knew they styled themselves in a really interesting way, but I hadn't quite got the gist of what their interior was going to be. So I walked in there and it was just incredible because um, bar, I saw a TV screen and that was it. Apart from that, you could just be walking back into the 1930s. Right. It was um, like a time capsule. It was really, really, yeah, absolutely. And just the kind of like level of care and attention they're putting to it. It was like a museum curator had been in and kind of revamped the whole place. And I really loved that dedication that they had put into it. And that was, um, yeah, I think that was the first um, photo shoot that I did. Did you do all the photography, Zoe, for for the project? I did. Yes, I did. With my small, trusty camera. I um, Back at university, I had studied fine art, so I kind of had the gist of how a camera works, but I would say my expertise is probably more in the interviewing and the writing side okay. of things but um yeah it kind of it, visually it managed to work and the people I was photographing were kind of so interesting that um you know it was easy to get a good shot right <laughs> yeah it wasn't some sort of boring photo shoot or anything like that obviously they you didn't have to do much work they they kind of their image spoke for itself i could see that just from you know what what i've seen in the book so okay i love that absolutely and then when i went to um palm springs i was also there on a on a work trip i was writing about um their modernism week i'm really interested in like mid-century design yes. and architecture so i was out there writing about that and then i found a couple of really interesting people one of them is tracy who's on mm-hmm. the front cover the of my book. oh i love her place <laughs> yeah it's awesome it's totally awesome i love her place she's just really gone all out with it mm-hmm. um and tracy again you know you can't take a bad picture of tracy in her place it's just all really visually stunning yes which was amazing to walk into and photograph Absolutely. Well, how so how long did it take you to actually complete the book from start to finish? Oh, um, I think it was probably between 18 months and two years. Okay. Um, and that was, a lot of that was kind of researching and trying to find the right people and trying to make everything align that I'd be in their city when they were available. Um, so there's lots of kind of logistics of organizing it all um but yeah it was it was under two years from from start to finish okay that's pretty good I mean I feel like when you have so many subjects involved it definitely adds to the the timeline of how long it's going to take you to complete and especially because you know you you I mean I know you were traveling for other journalism work you were doing but still travel travel definitely adds into it so that I think that's really that's fast in my opinion <laughs> it is quite fast because I wrote um, my first book was on Elvis and it's a slightly more academic book it's got a lot more words in it and that took me like, three and a half years oh, wow. <laughs> to write okay. a lot longer than I thought when I started out I was thinking yeah it'll probably take me about a year and, you know, <laughs> three and a half years later I made it onto the bookshelf <laughs> nice 
Um, do you enjoy traveling to the United States? All the, I know you've done a decent yeah. amount of travel here. Do you, are there special places that you like to visit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first one is Memphis, and that is, um, yeah, the place in America that's totally stolen my heart, actually. And nice. um, it's the first place I went to in America when um, I was 21. Okay. And I had suddenly overnight become a huge Elvis Presley fan <laughs> um, and just became just totally immersed in his world. Um, so booked a flight over to Memphis and um, went to Graceland and ended up writing my university dissertation on it. And I was just blown away by Memphis. I just loved it, like the food, the vibe, the music, the heritage. I just totally loved it, and I've been going back to Memphis, um, yeah, ever since. So nearly 20 years I've been a regular visitor to Memphis, and I love it every time I go. (laughs) I love that because that's not a typical – I mean, I know a lot of people really love – Tennessee in general, Memphis, Nashville. Um, but that's definitely not the first city that most people, um, non-Americans would say, you know, so I love that you yeah. are into a city that's a little bit, I don't want to say off the radar, but you know, most people would say, Oh, New York, LA, San Francisco, uh, whatever. Yeah. But I, I love that you said Memphis and I actually have never been there. So I would love to, um, <laughs> I need to go. Yeah. <laughs> A recommendation, if there's any Elvis fans listening okay. out there, you can actually sleep in um, the apartment that Elvis lived in when he was a teenager. Oh, wow. And you can sleep in Elvis's teenage bedroom, which oh is, God. like, amazing. Is, did you <laughs> um, sleep there? Cool. Yeah, I stayed there a couple of times. Um, when researching my book and for an article, I went and stayed there. Um, and it, it's quite reasonable. It's like... 300 250 or 300 bucks a night oh i mean um, for what you're gonna pay for a, ho- a nice hotel and if, if you're really a fan i would sooner do that <laughs> yeah exactly it's fantastic um it you can book it through it's uptown square apartment it's called and it's the the elvis apartment so yeah any elvis fans it's like a once in a lifetime experience it's awesome um and then in america there's lots of other places i love palm springs but um, yeah, so some mid-century design. Um, what else? I love, um, I mentioned before to you that I've visited the Madonna Inn. Oh, San Luis Obispo. Yes. Which is fantastic. I, I mean, really, that, really that area is amazing yeah. in general. Just, I mean, I know at one point in time, I believe Oprah called San Luis Obispo the happiest place in America. So... <laughs> <laughs> It definitely it's a riot. It's it's so beautiful and the weather is like it's like an eternal spring, you know, like it doesn't get too hot, it doesn't get too cold. It's sometimes it rains, but it's just overall it's one of the the best places in my opinion you can visit in in California and I do love the Madonna Inn and I'm glad that you got to visit there. Um, it's just, it's something, it's something out of this world, you know, it's, it's hard to, until, until you physically are there and see it in person, you don't really get it. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you got to visit there and, and see that part of California. It's really lovely. And I think it's such a great place for people who are kind of interested in, um, vintage and vintage culture. It's, um, yeah, it kind of ticks all the boxes on that front. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the rooms are just like, and it's cool they've been doing because of COVID. They've actually on their Instagram, they've been doing tours of all the rooms, um, okay. which is really cool. Yeah, you should check it out because, I mean, even if you go and stay there once, it's not like you're ever probably going to get to stay in every room. Um, so, you, yeah, I would check that out. And, you know, every room has like a different theme and they do look like little time capsules in and of themselves. So, yeah, it's it's really fun. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask, did you, like when you started, um, seeking out the enthusiasts in the book, did you plan on featuring such a wide range of vintage eras within the book? Because, um, I mean, you really cover a wide time period, you know, in terms of the eras that people are wearing. Yes. Um, yeah, that was a very conscious decision. Okay. Um, so I'm going to a few of the vintage fairs here in the UK. Um, I found that there were a lot of women in their 30s, 40s, 50s um, who were doing the 1950s look. Mm -hmm. Um, There was, yeah, there was lots and lots of that. Um, And to kind of find any diversity, different age groups, different ethnicity, um, I had to kind of look quite hard. And I wanted it to be a book that... um, reflected kind of a big diverse range of people and their interests um so yeah I had to I had to dig around and try and find beyond the kind of 1950s clique um and that basically just involved a lot of research asking around um yeah looking on Instagram for the yeah, different examples of people who were looking at different eras or maybe came from a different background themselves. Well, yeah, and I think you also did a good um, job of really, like the people themselves are very diverse in terms of racial diversity, sexual orientation, which I think is really important in today's, you know, life. Um, So I I feel like that was really nice to see as well. I mean, not only just the diversity in the eras, but the diversity within the people themselves. So kudos to you for that. I I thought that that was really nice. Um, Do you do you have a favorite era in fashion history? What what is your favorite? I would say um, conforming stereotype, I would say it's the 1950s. The 50s? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, the 1950s. I'm really interested in that era, particularly um, through my love of Elvis Presley. Right. Um, I really love that era. I love the whole aesthetic. I love the music. I love the cars. Um, wouldn't wouldn't drive one myself because of environmental concerns, but I really appreciate classic cars. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in the interior, my house is pretty. We have a diner booth in our house. Oh, and, my God. Um, vintage Elvis pictures everywhere. Like, I'm really, I really, really enjoy that era. So I'd say, yeah, the 1950s is, is um, my era. So growing up on the East Coast, we have diners everywhere. Like every, you know, like you could throw a rock and hit one. There's diners everywhere. But where I live in California and Fresno, there are places that call themselves diners, but it is not a true diner. So the fact that you have like a diner booth in your house makes me so happy because I just, I love them. And like, I miss the, like back home, they're like open 24 hours a day. So if you're, you know, like out, out with your friends and a little tipsy and you know, you want to take an Uber and go get like a piece of cake at two o'clock in the morning, you can do that. 
<laughs> we don't we just we just don't have diners here so I love that you're into that part of the 50s culture um because you know food and the going out like the drive-ins with like the girls on the roller skates and you know all of that was just such a big big part of that culture that not everywhere in the U.S. or everywhere in the world you know gets to experience that so I think that that's really cool Oh, yeah, and it's quite, in London, actually, there's a couple of places um, that have tried to kind of replicate American diners to, to varying degrees of success, but there's not too much um, in London either. Right, it's um, like the, so, yeah, the, we, the replica ones, I feel like, don't do as good of a job as, like, a true diner that's been around forever. You know what I mean? And the food never as good. Mm-hmm. As the, no. Um, yeah, more <laughs> So yeah, our diner even has a miniature jukebox in it as well. Oh you never God. need to leave the house. <laughs> That's so cool. I bet the I bet your children love that. That's probably so much fun for them. It is. Hours of fun. <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about um the Elvis book? Like just touch upon it and what your main focus was within um Elvis style? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I mentioned, I became a huge, big kind of overnight Elvis fan when I was about 21. Um, and then I remember um, going into a bookshop and I was looking on the shelves at all the style books and kind of all the greats were there. You know, you had Audrey Hepburn, Marilyn Monroe. I was looking there and I was thinking, where's Elvis? Where mm-hmm. is he? Mm-hmm. And um, then I did some research and found that nobody had kind of really seriously covered Elvis from a style point of view before. Um, I felt that there was kind of tons and tons bookshelves of stuff that had been written about Elvis as um, biographies and it had been told and retold and it's kind of basically a, a rehashing of the American dream that right. um, kept getting kind of retold of embellishments. So I thought there's nothing to do there because it's been so done already. I don't just want to do a book on Elvis. It needs to have an angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and coming from a fashion background um, I write quite a lot about menswear as well I was thinking Elvis has had like such a massive impact on menswear I think you can still see his influence now you know walking down the street we have a lot of um, rockabilly guys and girls here in the UK okay. and um, even like the kind of high-end fashion designers they're all whether they are conscious of it or not he's constantly being referenced um, in fashion so I thought that's really interesting there's loads to play with there um, so I also wanted to speak to um, the kind of fashion insiders the designers um, and ask them what they felt Elvis's impact had been on fashion, on design, on culture um, so it kind of wasn't just me giving my thoughts I wanted mm-hmm. to pull in lots of kind of expert voices to talk about why Elvis is so important. Oh, I love that. I'll have to check it out because I don't, I mean, I know more about him musically, but the the style and, you know, how he's influenced mm-hmm. designers, I don't know much about that. So I definitely would be would be interested to learn. So that's that's super exciting. And I'm glad that you did it. And I think, you know, in terms of being an author, you have to look for those kind of holes, you know, like what what is missing? Yeah. Because I frequently, I mean, I'm not going to bookstores too much right now, but when I was, um, you know, I would I would always look for fashion books on X, Y, and Z person. And, um, 
you you see those holes, you know, like, God, why isn't anybody talking about this person? So I think that that was a really yeah. good opportunity for you. Like you said, you just didn't, you see the biographical, but you don't really see the more artistic side of it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, actually the kind of conclusions that I came to about um, the impact he's had on our culture now, it was really, really diverse. You know, you could say that he's had a massive impact on bling culture and gender fluid fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so the kind of the conclusions of um, his impact now, I think, are, um, yeah, still very much kind of felt in our contemporary culture. Okay. Do you think um, do you think you'll do another volume of vintage style? Would you keep it going? Um, I thought about it. Somebody I came across somebody on Instagram the other day um, who was um, a a non-binary person who was wearing this fantastic stuff that they had inherited from their kind of aristocratic family. These huge, big like ball gowns, oh my and God. they were being photographed in like stately homes in England. And I thought, oh, I really kicked myself. I wish you were. <laughs> Right. Um, and I think that's the problem with, um, I think, writing a book that you're always kind of thinking about how you could have done it and how you could update it. Um, so I did reach out to them and say, if I'm ever doing, uh, you know, another volume of this, then I would love to include you in it. Um, so yeah, I'm very much keeping the door open. There's just so many kind of interesting vintage people out there right well i mean i i think it it was fabulous as is but you know as long as if you have it in your mind like yeah maybe that's a possibility i think that's great too because maybe maybe that door will open you know and you can do a second volume okay exactly yeah fingers crossed and i think sorry that's okay tell me tell me about the next book you have in the pipeline um, the next book that I'm starting on is going to be on Dolly Parton, another one of my favorites. Nice. Um, <laughs> we yeah, love we love Dolly, Dolly in America. I mean, we love Elvis we too, love but I I love Dolly Parton. <laughs> she is awesome. Um, yeah, I've been a big fan of her for years, and have been to um, Tennessee and been to Dollywood, of course, which is amazing. I was actually um, just going to ask, is Dollywood, is, does it still exist? I, I don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, does it feel? Oh, does the, does the theme park, it's still open? It's still, it's still around. Dollywood? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We were there only a couple of years ago. Year pull up, I think. Um, yeah, very much still open. And um, I really, really loved it. It's kind of a... Um, it's a cross between so it's all the big roller coasters and all the things you kind of imagine from the theme park, but it's also got a lot of um, kind of information about Southern culture and they have people, you know, musicians there and people showing you local crafts. Um, nice. So the kids were happy. They were off playing on rides and stuff. And then, um, yeah, they've also got a museum of Dolly Parton's clothes in there as well. Ooh. Totally worth visiting just for that. And, you know, these amazing totally over the top and fabulous evening gowns that oh, yeah. she wore. Well, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be Dolly if it wasn't over the top. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool place. So what will the main focus of the book be? I'm assuming another stylistic perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It will be um, 
Yeah, looking at Dolly's um, clothes and the way she's put herself together, her hair and her makeup, um, and the impact that it's had on our culture. Um, yeah, and we can bring in questions of um, was Dolly a feminist? I think that's quite an interesting one mm-hmm. to think about at the moment in the wake of Me Too. Um, yeah, it will be so. It will be kind of her fashion, but also probably a bit broader, looking at her impact on culture. Lovely. Well, I'm looking forward to that, and I know, like I said, a lot of people here, and I'm sure around the world, just absolutely love her. She's such. She just seems like such a sweet person. So I think that'll be. I think that'll be a really great success for you, and I'm looking forward to to reading it when it comes out. Do you have um, a target oh. a target release date for it? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to say yeah. a date because I know it would take longer. Don't <laughs> jinx yourself. Um, we're hoping to go to, depending on you know where everything is with travel. Um, next year, we're hoping to go um, at Easter to Dollywood again, spend love, some time there. And um, Nashville's that. also got this. <laughs> Nashville's just opened up a rooftop bar, and the design of it has been inspired by Dolly Parton. So I want to um, include places like that as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. Kind of design places. Oh, how yeah, fun. So. so it's inspired by her. I love that. Oh, it's so. very pink. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so just just from obviously what you've said about Elvis and Dolly Parton, um, I feel like you kind of have answered this question in a way, but I don't know if there's anything you'd want to add to it. Do you feel like people in the United <laughs> Kingdom really enjoy Americana? Yes, absolutely. I really do. I feel like there's, yeah, there's a whole kind of scene here of um, people who do, I'd say, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. At at the vintage festivals, you can really see it. There's a lot of Americana references. There's also country music, um, which was, when I was growing up, was just something that kind of wasn't on most people's radar. No, I definitely don't Um, see that over there. I mean, I'm not even that much into country music. So that's really interesting to me. There's a scene. It's, um, yeah, there's a a lot of the kind of big names from Nashville have been playing in London in the recent, I'd say about last three, four years, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, We get the big names coming over and they have this big event, country to country music event, which is a, a huge big venue. Um, the O2 Centre in London, yes. like thousands and thousands of people turn up um, to it. So, yeah, there's definitely a whole scene. There are people who really appreciate, yeah, Americana, American culture. Well, it's so funny to me because I'm a huge Anglophile, so I love I love everything. <laughs> I love British history. I'm a huge British history nerd. Um, I love like manor house life. So when you mention about um, the person wearing those ball gowns and the, I'm like, I really want to see that because I could just spend hours looking at country homes. And I'm also obsessed with like um, jewelry, you know, in terms of tiaras and that sort of thing. I, I mean, I'm, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny how obsessed I am, but um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, uh, my aunt is also a very big Anglophile, so she's been a pretty big influence on me um, just over the years. And, you know, I think my mom really appreciated, um, especially British culture as well. So 
it's mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear you know that there's an appreciation for Americana over there and then I over here I know that there are just tons and tons of people who are Anglophiles like myself um, so I think it's nice to see that kind of reciprocity for each other's cultures and history yeah absolutely and I think sometimes when you're growing up with something and you're too close to it you can't really um yeah get that kind of perspective and the appreciation right. um so growing up I was often taken to you know churches around England stately homes and I did not have a huge interest in it. Right. um but in more recent years um yeah I can I think I mentioned before last summer I um, spent the whole of the summer traveling around England, staying at different English castles yes. you can sleep at. Oh. Um, and I think we managed, I think it was about eight that we managed in the end, different castles. And um, it's fantastic. And it really made me think, you know, there's just so much like on our doorstep that's um, kind of interesting and quirky to explore. And sometimes, especially if you enjoy traveling, your focus is always kind of looking outwards and going to new places and discovering their culture. But I actually thought actually there's a lot, you know, to, of interest in, in the culture of the place that I grew up. Actually, it was nice to kind of get that appreciation. What part of the country did you grow up in? Um, I grew up in Oxford. So I okay. was kind of surrounded by it's a proper university mm-hmm. town. So I was surrounded by... Um, a lot of university buildings. One of them was the inspiration for um, the dining hall at Hogwarts. Oh, nice. So it kind of all looked a bit like that. <laughs> I love that. Oh, the architecture is just so... That was my backdrop. Oh, that's, that's amazing. What a beautiful place to, to grow up. Yeah, and it's the kind of place that, um, you know, you get busloads of tourists coming in and photographing mm. it and appreciating it. But again, when you're growing up in it, you just kind of think, oh, you know, it's just my neighborhood it, it doesn't you're not seeing it through the fresh eyes of other people but um it was you know it was a very kind of historically significant place to grow up and quite beautiful as well so it was nice. pretty good <laughs> nice um I'm gonna ask you just a few personal questions about vintage now um what mm, sure. what is your first memory of vintage in your entire life does anything stand out to you as like okay that was the first time I really experienced vintage um, I'm trying to think, do you know, when I was growing up, there wasn't a huge culture. There's still quite a lot of stigma with wearing secondhand clothes. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, I was growing up in the 80s and there was, people would not kind of be proud to say that their clothes were from charity shops. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't something that was kind of particularly celebrated but I do feel there's been a massive cultural shift and now it's kind of quite cool for people to be wearing hand-me-downs there's no there's not that kind of stigma um so I didn't really start to kind of embrace um vintage until when I moved up to London um in my early 20s I lived around the corner from Portobello Road Market mm-hmm. which is like amazing for, for vintage clothes and I would spend like every single weekend there um just picking up bargains and I suddenly kind of acquired a really really nice vintage wardrobe um just from walking down to Portobello Road and haggling with the people there it was great 
Is that, that um, much the... the the Portobello Road? The man who wrote the um, the foreword, Wayne Hemingway, is that where he was selling vintage? I believe he said that he and his his girlfriend or his wife sold uh, vintage. Yeah, he was. It's not far from there. He was Camden Market, which is more kind of North London. Okay. Um, yeah, which is kind of a bit more. Camden Market is a little bit more kind of edgy. I'd uh, say a bit okay. more kind of underground. Um, so he started there, and Portobello is. It's now, um, especially since Notting Hill, the film is a big kind of tourist mm-hmm. attraction. So you have to wade through the really, really overpriced vintage. But if you go down to the Goulburn Road, and that's where it's kind of less touristy, and that's where you can get all the bargains. That's the place to be. Nice, nice insider tip. <laughs> um. <laughs> What are your what are your go to vintage pieces right now? Is there anything specific that you wear a lot or a favorite? Yeah, I always wear jumpsuits. Okay, I really really love a jumpsuit. I think just because it's so easy, you don't have to think about what you're going to wear. You just put it on. You've got a whole outfit. It's good to go. You don't have to think about matching tops and trousers. Or um, so I think just for the the ease of it. I love a jumpsuit. I find them really comfortable as well. Nice. Any specific material that you really like? Um, I kind of, I buy most of my stuff. I do sometimes go to charity shops and um, vintage markets still, but generally I buy my stuff kind of super cheap on eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, so last week I bought a really, really beautiful um, jumpsuit with long sleeves. And it's a dark blue and it's got a kind of tropical print that flows through it. It's really lovely. And um, it costs eight pounds. Oh, wow. It's a bargain. <laughs> That's nice. Lovely. Um, where, so other than um, where you mentioned you had shopped um, when you were in your 20s, like where do you shop now for your vintage? Do you still go there when you're in London? Well, are you based in London first off? Yeah, I okay. am. I live okay. um, quite centrally in London. Okay. Um, okay. I guess I spend a lot of time in charity shops. We've got okay. some good charity shops around us. Um, so yeah, I spend a lot of time in them. Um, there's somebody who I actually included in my book owns a vintage shop. It's in Peckham. Um, it's called Little Sister. Yes. It's oh, I loved in- her. I loved her profile. She's amazing style. Really good. Yeah, she's really cool. She's just like a proper magpie. Mm-hmm. She's able to kind of just sift through loads and loads of stuff and just find the kind of vintage gems. And the stuff that she's got in there is like really, really well curated. Um, so, yeah, that's totally, if you're into vintage, Little Sister and Peckham, definitely worth a visit as well. Do you, in terms of the charity shops you have there, are they chains like we have in the United States or are they more privately owned? Um, they're generally chains. Okay. Um, so they're more individual. Yeah, the they have, they do have, um, occasionally they have um, individual ones, but most of them are chains. The main one here is Oxfam. Oh, okay, yes, I have heard of, of Oxfam. Okay. Nice. Yeah, you get that in most of the um, high street. But there's all sorts of, at the moment we're actually... I'm not in, we live in London, but I'm not in London. I'm down on the coast and um, in Whitstable. And this place is just filled with the high street with loads and loads of charity shops. Oh and they're brilliant. They're really, really good. It's kind of loads of 
old 80s, 90s stuff in there, kind of original stuff, really, really cheap. So I think sometimes in London, it's already kind of been sifted through so many times, so you need to get to the more kind of remote, off the beaten track. No, I tell, so people, I tell people that, that all the time, you know, like if you really <laughs> want to do good thrifting in the United States, like the Midwest is amazing. <laughs> you know, the further away you go from like densely populated cities, the better um yeah because like here a lot of the young kids you know people are just doing secondhand whether they're selling vintage or secondhand you know a lot of kids are doing it right now as a side hustle and it's just getting more and more picked over I think the best thrifting experience I ever had was in Indiana in Indianapolis um just (laughs) really like most of the people that were running the store I don't think they really knew or cared what they had and it was dirt cheap and it was just packed with cool stuff so I, I totally agree with you there. Like when you're in a big city, it, it gets picked over pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Find find a remote spot, especially if there's a um, much older population as well. That's where you generally find a really good chance. Yes, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> um, do you feel that the market demand for vintage clothing will continue to grow in the future or just secondhand in general? Yeah, absolutely. I really do. I think young people now are very savvy to it. And I think um, Instagram has played a part in that as well. I Huge, think that, yes. Um, yeah, I think people like to have the new outfit, have their pictures taken with it, wear it a few times, resell it. And I really like that kind of more circular fashion model. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great one. Um, yeah, so people can, um, a lot of people can get use out of the same item i think not just resell i think resell is going to be i think it's going to overtake fast fashion soon it's not far off at the moment but it's a huge market but i think also um the rental market seems to be really taken off in the uk at the moment okay you have nice designer pieces and they're just sat in your wardrobe you can um upload them onto an app there's loads of different apps here at the moment and then you can um, rent it out. And people are using that a lot for weddings or kind of special occasions, mm-hmm. you know, when you need a kind of really fancy outfit, but something that you're not going to wear day to day. You can just go and rent it, which I think is a much more sustainable and um, smart way of doing it. And then people are making money back on it as well. Oh, I love that. I think that's great, especially for those um those more high-end luxury pieces that not everyone can afford to buy outright and, and you know, permanently have. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, well, tell us, where can we buy your book? Ah, it is now um, available across all of the Amazons. The okay. first batch was sent out to America, sold out. There was a lull, um, but it's now online again. So you can buy it in America and buy it from Amazon. Um, should be listed on Target as well. So it's okay. widely available online. And hopefully when shops are back up and running, it will be in, in actual traditional bookshops again at some point. What about in Canada? Do you know if it's available um, on Amazon there? I have a lot of Canadian listeners. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. Okay. No, it's definitely in, in Canada. It's there. Okay, awesome. I'm so excited. And then I'm assuming Elvis is available, Elvis Style is available on Amazon as well. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, the people who have been buying it, it's almost entirely American and Canadian 
market. So I was actually going to ask you that, <laughs> where you see the most sales coming from for that book. That's interesting. Always America, yeah. But, um, <laughs> for both books, for vintage style and Elvis, that's kind of where, um, where the, you know, the interest and the fans are at the moment. Right. And then just lastly, where can my, uh, where can my listeners find you online? If you want to give any website, social media, anywhere that they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. I am on Instagram and I'm at Zoe Gotto Writer. So Z-O-E-Y-G-O-T-O Writer. Um, and I've also got a website which has lots of links to my published articles in that zoegotto.com. Okay. And I will, um, I'll go ahead and add those into the the show notes that get uploaded. So when someone's listening to the episode, if they don't have time to go right at that moment, they can reference back and I'll include the links that way. Um, they'll have access to you when they're ready. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zoe. Is there anything else you wanted to add that I might've missed? Um, no, I think you have questions. I think you've covered it all. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and oh, wish so you... nice to... <laughs> what's that? It was so nice to talk to you. Oh, same and wish you much success with, with vintage style and also, um, you know, best of luck with your research for, for Dolly. And hopefully, you know, when that's ready to come out, I'll still be doing this and I'll, I'll have you back on to talk about Dolly. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love that. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Zoe. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.